Hi, welcome to Imperfect Start, a podcast about what it's really like to own a business. I'm Erin, and this is my co-host, Jamie. Hey. We're the founders of Kali, a company dedicated to helping small businesses through the lessons we're learning along the way. Today, we're talking to Ashe Doshi, who's a friend of ours, as well as a classmate with Jamie at the Tepper School of Business. Along with running an organic goods business with his family in India, Ashe is the co-founder of Talent IPO, a totally new model for financing education. Ashe really provided a different perspective on business ownership. I really appreciated Ashe's take on how family-run businesses are and should be considered startups, just like the tech startups that are all over the place. Small businesses deserve as much, if not more, love since they play such a pivotal role for the economy. Plus, they're usually started with less money and have more startup costs than a tech company that can be started in someone's garage. Mom and pops share a lot with tech people, most, most notably, a ton of optimism and resiliency. It's important to note that in either case, we tend to only hear about the crazy success stories and forget about the many businesses that don't make it. That's right. Survivorship bias is at play here. When we hear startup success stories, it's due to some skill, sure, but there's also a lot of luck and good timing involved. For every major success, there are like four to six average successes and a couple of big failures. The reality is we won't all be billionaires, but if we simply start and run a successful business, we should feel good about our success. Yeah, that's right, Jamie. And we talked about a lot of topics with Ashe in addition to these. So we hope that you'll sit, stay, and enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being here. We want to talk to you a little bit about your background overall and also just relating to small business as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my background is that I you know, grew up in... Mumbai, India, and I grew up in a business family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, n- on my dad's side, not many people ever had a job. It was <laughs> all in either small businesses, large businesses, and, you know, they lost money, made money, all the whole gambit. So entrepreneurship was always in my blood since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up, I used to have, I used to sell CDs <laughs> when I was in high school to make pa- extra pocket change. Nice. We used to have those music download softwares, Kazaa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I used to download it and sell CDs in school just to make some extra pocket money. Is that so, legal? No, it's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> but I can they... say that now, right? <laughs> were there mixtapes or were there like whole albums? No, they were mixtapes. Oh, I want so... a mixtape. Oh my God. So I used That's to customize awesome. it to everyone's needs. So uh-huh. they used to say, oh, we really like this song. So I used to make them a list of 10 songs. I used to like sign the CD and put some messages on them. And I used to make, I think I sold around like 300 CDs like that. Oh my gosh. 300? That's impressive. Bring it back. I love that. (laughs) So so as I said, like, I mean, always interested in the small business angle and always wanted to own something of my own. Came to the US to study, worked in management consulting right after school, but then realized that I really want to focus on what I'm truly interested in. So I transitioned from management consulting, went back home. um, And what we have is an agriculture startup in Mumbai that my dad and I started together. And we are promoting organic farming in India by importing organic nutrients from other countries, having a distribution network of farmers, working with the lowest common denominator in India, and then selling what they grow to the market. So we export grapes, we have a line of organic spices, and we employ 21 people. So it's truly a small business. Wow. And, uh, you know, Doing business, starting a small business, running a small business has its challenges. And um, yeah, it's been an exciting ride. (laughs) No, that's that's awesome. I mean, I I noticed that you use, I want to talk about a phrase you used. I thought it was really interesting. And you said that you start, you have a startup. That's like your family 
it's a family-owned business, but you called it a startup. Yes. But we often hear startup and small business not used interchangeably. Right. So I'm curious as right. to why you picked startup and what, what do you think, like, tell me more about why you use that. Right. I, I think, I think it's a misconception and it's because of the media these days that when you think about a startup, you only think about technology startups, yeah. right? Everyone thinks that that's a startup, but I would argue that even if you have a lemonade stand yeah. or if you're a small mom and pop bakery, you're still a startup. Yeah. You have to use the same methodologies. You grow similar to a small business and that is still a startup. So I want to, I purposely use that term saying family startup versus a family business because I want to, I want to make sure that everyone understands that. Uh-huh. Like it is the I same. love that. Yeah. Can we steal that? We're going to use that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. No, that, that's really good. I, I really love, I love that mindset because as you know, I talk a lot about entrepreneurship as a mindset yes. and not entrepreneurship as a career or anything. And I think that spills over to people who just want to start small businesses. You don't have to right. start a billion dollar company right. to be an entrepreneur. And right. A lot of people in this in this country, especially, miss that, which is right. a shame. Right, and and honestly, that hinders a lot of people from starting businesses okay. when they think that oh, I cannot be the next tech unicorn. Why yeah. should I even do this? <laughs> but at the end of the day, even if you're making five million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, yeah, that is still a thriving small business, and that is the core of the economy, both in all countries. Right. I mean, we talk to freelancers who make fifty thousand dollars on their own. Right. Maybe that's all they make. Right. But like that's a job that they have, yeah. they can be proud of, they can work their own hours. Yes. You get all the benefits of owning your own thing and you're a small business. Right. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur and I think right. that like that shouldn't be missed. Right. And I think what you what you are doing is really good, giving a platform for smaller business owners because you as you mentioned earlier, usually what you hear about is the unicorns. Mm-hmm. You hear about the Ubers and Airbnbs. <laughs> yeah. But you don't hear about the bakery store that, you know, might have sold a million dollars last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's an impressive achievement. Yeah, exactly. But you yeah. just don't hear about it. Yeah, you don't hear about it. We're, we're right. going to hope to change that. Yeah. Um, in, in talking yeah, okay. about businesses and small businesses, because I've struggled to wrap my head around the difference between startup and small business and big right. business and me, like all of that, the terms are sort of not set. I think they're set within certain communities, but like when I hear it, it all sounds like one big same thing. Right. But we talk about like people in a certain revenue area, like, I didn't realize how many businesses are million dollar businesses. Right. That like blew my mind that you could be making a million dollars as a business, but you weren't like wildly rich. It's changed for me how I view success and entrepreneurship and sort of the attitudes surrounding it. So yeah. And that's the majority of businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Majority of businesses are small businesses. Right. (laughs) Right. right. That's right. Yeah. There's like 30 million small businesses in the U S yeah. And that is the backbone of the economy, including manufacturing, retail, any of all of the small businesses. That's right. So, you mentioned that your family has all been always been involved in entrepreneurship. Yes. Um, my family has not. I'm yeah. I'm more of a first generation yep. entrepreneur, whereas you you might argue you're like a second or even third generation. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, what's the best part of growing up with people in mean, your family who are just so used to just that entrepreneurial life? Right. I, I think that's a great question because I would say I'm very lucky in uh-huh. many ways to grow up around that surrounding because the mindset is not always about a job in terms of how should I fit into this position. Yeah. It's about how do I create this position and how do I create value so that people want to work for me. Uh-huh. So that was the biggest, I would say, influencer around me, that that mindset of risk appetite, that mindset of value creation, yeah. that mindset of thinking on a higher level as opposed to fitting yourself, 
like you're not a cog in the wheel right <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you are creating that wheel yeah and what it's risky it is uncertain it is challenging and it's a lot of, it's very stressful but just growing up in that environment was very nourishing in many ways because you see the whole spectrum mm-hmm. there's no stability i mean i know i remember us struggling for money like we didn't have a car for four years and <laughs> yeah. stuff happens yeah happens. you know like businesses go down and then you pick yourself up and you come back and compared to a traditional job oriented setting where there's more stability you have a certain you're living on your paycheck you know there's something coming mm-hmm. in it's a very very different very different mindset or whatever yeah absolutely we had uh so we had victoria lopez on an, an yep. earlier episode yep and while she was here we talked about young people and how they're going to college and right. they're taking out six figures in student loans. Right. And we often don't consider that a risk, a financial risk, like right. we do a $100,000 business loan to right. start a small business. Yet in today's economy where wages haven't necessarily gone up right. and have stagnated and a job is not guaranteed, right. that's still, that's, that's, you could argue that they're kind of like, they're similar appetites of risk, yet right. we normalize one and the other is don't even think about it. Right. Right. And, and that's a, that's a great way to think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you yourself should be considering yourself as a business, mm-hmm. right? Like you mm-hmm. are creating value for society. You are using resources to produce that value. You are managing your, yourself as a unit yeah. and your, your surroundings as well. So that is a business in itself. Right. Right. No, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned growing up in it. And of course, yes. we, and I've, I've talked to you this a little bit about this before, like we definitely have a very like American Western focus. Sure. And I think something we're interested in, and the more we talk to people, we're learning that like, sometimes that is universal. Like they right. sort of like, there are tenets of entrepreneurship and, and starting businesses that are universal. But are there some differences um, between sort of what you've experienced and what you're experiencing now specifically right. i think it's really interesting to think about like the american dream yes. like is yes. this the everyone dream or is it just the american dream like how is it different right. and I, I would say that you know growing up in india america is a very very respected country especially when you are from india because face it i mean you've created the and the top 10 corporations of the world or yeah. companies of the world they all mostly come from america right right and uh, so that's been that's definitely been a source of inspiration I would say the biggest difference between, you know, entrepreneurship in a developing country and entrepreneurship in a developed country is the difference in focus on money versus focus on value. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes the biggest difference where, where, where a business is successful in the long run versus you're just in it to make money. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses in India, I mean, obviously it's a developing country, liquidity is low, risk is high, uncertainty yeah. is high. So everyone's in it. How can I make money? Whereas when you think about entrepreneurship in the U.S., a lot of it is value-focused. Mm-hmm. How do I create that value? How do I impact a community? Yeah. How do I, and then make money as an outcome out of it mm. versus that, hey, we really want to do this for the money. Yeah. So, but but that has its upsides and downsides, right? Because the U.S. is highly leveraged. The <laughs> debt, debt levels are so high because you don't think about money that way. Yeah. You'll rarely see any Indian businesses, small businesses okay. in debt. Oh, hmm, interesting. You will rarely see them <laughs> taking out a loan. I mean, okay. and it, they will never take out a bank loan. They will take mm-hmm. out loans from mm-hmm. their f- friends or family or within the community mm-hmm. who will support each other, and you will not see them highly leveraged. Really? So they'll, they'll, they'll sacrifice high growth 
for sustainable profitability mm. and cash flow. I see. I mean, and that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, because a lot of people in in this country will start things on the side or right. they'll save up. I mean, we talked to a customer, uh, a potential customer who said, I know I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I know I'm going to start a small business, right. but I'm waiting until I can afford it. Right. And they said, I don't care if it takes me 20 years, but I know that one day I'm going to be a small business owner right. and it's okay. Like I'll just take my time, work my job and save up. Right. And that's a really nice mindset. It's very right. responsible. Right. But you know, she's in, the, she was in the minority for sure in right. America because most people here are saying, no, 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 I want to, I'm impatient. Let me do it now. Right. I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll make the loan payments. It's fine. And I would say that goes either way. Right. Yeah. I mean that, um, attitude of the daring attitude of, you know, there's no better time than now. Yeah. And then we'll figure it out the rest later on that, that works in a market where liquidity is high. Right. You can borrow cheap. Yeah. And you know, there are protections around borrowing money. Whereas in India, getting a loan is not as easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get like the market is not as sophisticated as it is here. So yeah. it's a difference, but I would say the main mentality difference is businesses in India or developing countries are very, not as pro risk. Okay. okay. They will, they will take measured steps. Yeah. To, to growth and sustainability. That's, that's because, you know, we're in the wild, wild west, right? Right. <laughs> risk right. is, yeah, we're all risk yeah. takers over here. Daredevils, right? Right. I mean, you saw that happened with the 2008 uh, financial <laughs> right, crisis, right? right? Look right. where that got us. That, that was a gamble. That was a big gamble. Yeah. And yeah. We're doing fine now. Yeah, exactly. And you bounce back from that. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what the next few years have oh, in store. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit more about the small business side and running it. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned that, there, there are hard times when it comes to running your own business. Right. What are, what are some of the stresses that you and your family yeah. have felt? And h- how did y'all deal with some of those stresses? Right. Uh, so, Jamie, I think the biggest point out here is the mentality of business families and small business owners is that, you know, business school, like you don't need business school. Yeah. The, the way to learn business is by doing it. And what I've noticed from my experience pre-business school and not having a formal education and seeing my business surroundings and having a formal education and seeing my surroundings after that, there's a big difference in terms of exposure. Mm -hmm. So the biggest challenge small business owners feel, first of all, they don't know, realize the need for sophistication. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that there is a structure and methodology to running a business. Yeah. Like it is not just you go out there (laughs) and just figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) And you, you trial and error. Of course, trial and error is part of everything, but there is, a structure and methodology that you think about things that you don't, if you're not formally taught or if you don't have that capability of learning by yourself, Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest difference I've seen in terms of stresses. Mm -hmm. There's no organization. (laughs) There's no concept of, Uh you know, something like weekly status meetings. Yeah. Where you will learn that in a corporate world or you learn that in business school. Right. But in a small business, they'll just think it's useless. <laughs> but then when you yeah. actually think about the value of that brings, it yeah. brings everyone on the same page. Right. You get to learn from everyone's week and mm-hmm. the best practices and the mistakes. Um, things like like operational expansion. How do you how do you organize your personnel yeah. in an effective way to run a, run run a lean organization? Uh-huh. So so that concept is not there. Like those small businesses can get from A to B or like say one to five, but how do you go from five to 50? Yeah. Yeah. The scaling, scaling is a big stress. Yeah. Like everything goes, it becomes chaotic because yeah. you just don't have a process around it. 
the biggest thing is the standard operating practices, mm-hmm. SOPs as you call them, mm-hmm. that you know is in the corporate world they'll tell you all about it, in business school they'll tell you all about it, but in the wild wild west <laughs> when you are running a small business, you're not going to pay attention to it. Yeah. And that ends up being the downfall of a lot of a lot of companies. For sure. Yeah, but you're right because when you hear it's funny when you hear successful entrepreneurs go out and speak and explain their story, you often hear the same trend, the, the same theme which is you wear many hats, you're putting out fires, you, right. but you love it. Right. Except for every one of those people, there are 50 others who failed right. and they didn't have structure in place and they tried to do the firefighting right. thing right. and they failed because it was right. too stressful and it was not, it was unsustainable. Right. right. <laughs> yet, yet we're, we're focusing on the one, not the 50 and saying right. that, that one person, right. that's who you should emulate. Right. But that's not realistic. That's not at all. I heard a famous quote the other day. It said, 97% of the people who quit work for the 3% who don't. And, <laughs> yeah. and which is true. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're going to face failures on the road. Sure. But what do you need? What tools should be available for you, for you to minimize that failure? Mm-hmm. No one goes into business wanting to fail. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you should be, know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But how do you minimize that failure percentage by having like a formal structure of education, yeah. of guidance, of mentorship? You know, that is something that is not highlighted enough in the success stories that you hear. Yeah, no, it really isn't. So, so structure is definitely one thing. What about like something that's a little bit less tangible? Is there something that you see is, is vital to us, an entrepreneur handling that stress? I mean, handling the, the hardships that come along with running a business? Right. I think one of the biggest things is less tangible is your network. Uh-huh. A lot of small businesses suffer because... A, they don't have the exposure. Mm-hmm. B, they don't have the network to really dream big, think big, yeah. and even like you know know what's out there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times, the intangible angle of just not knowing the new, say the new technologies, mm-hmm. the new connections, the new uh, best practices out there, okay. is a big barrier to even move forward for small businesses because that just doesn't come Overnight, it doesn't come if you're like in the middle of, like location plays a big part. Yeah. If you haven't been to the best schools or the best networks or you're not in the metropolitan area. So just by a virtue of that, yeah, it is, it is very tough to break out of the mindset. Yeah. So in terms of intangibles, like that angle is very, very important. Yeah. So speaking of networking, I mean, what is, I know you personally as a really strong networker <laughs> and you're a very social person think what's some advice you would give to small business owners to to trying to get out there and expand their personal network right i mean you know the annoying thing that you learn in school and even when you work corporate jobs is like networking is everything right yeah and networking doesn't mean that you need to go and meet the president of the united states mm-hmm. right right your network can be if hey if you're a small business owner are you part of your local chamber of commerce yeah mm-hmm. if you're a small business owner are you part of your mm-hmm. local Participating in local community events. Yeah. Are you like, you know, sponsoring a small community event? Are you playing sports as a business owner? Are you playing sports with the important people around in your area to, yeah. to have a better understanding of who they are? Are you um, are you actively putting yourself out there <laughs> at the end of the day? Yeah. So as to increase your exposure and increase the likelihood that, you know, because information is king. Yeah. No matter where you are. 
the people you know and the information that you get firsthand is going to make it's going to be the difference between good and great <laughs> yeah so how do you think about putting yourself out there in a more formal way to, so as to represent your business and again gain new ideas and structures as as you go out because um in my experience you are the face of your business yeah like while you might have great product you might have great service at the end of the day it comes down to you mm-hmm. right and your team like mm-hmm. how are you representing yourself outside of it so as to your business to be identified to have that exposure of the word of mouth spreading and then break through that those barriers that makes sense and and you, i liked what you said there because some people are not that person they're not right. that out outgoing like outward facing person where right. they want to be this prolific networker right. but you see some businesses take steps to to make the image of their company the the customer facing image right and you you even separate that image from the owner and, right. and that does wonders for them like um people you know like a business who has amazing customer service right, right. well the cashier and the the hostess and the servers in that restaurant let's right. say those are the people who are taking your face and translating into into the business right and and then the people know your business as that face and right. so even exactly. if you can't be the person like that main person Absolutely. to go out at least you can you can find ways to channel it in, in in ways that can help your business still be successful. Right, and I think that's a great point, right? I mean, not everyone has a personality, but you can also, as you said, put your business out there. Yeah. The biggest problem I see is that the small business owners just don't have that concept of that. Yeah. Like, how do you even yeah. communicate or create that need that hey, like you know, this is necessary for your success? Mm-hmm. They just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and they lack that mentorship. They yeah. lack that network. Yeah. They lack that guidance that is traditionally missing. Turning towards, like, we've talked a lot about here and now. We've talked about sort of business as it's happening. But yeah. looking towards the future. Right. Um, 2062, the year the Jetsons was set. We're just going to, re- we referenced the Jetsons last <laughs> time. Wait, we're getting close to the Jetsons. <laughs> <That's pretty close. laughs> right, we're right. getting there. <laughs> but, like, looking towards the future, I think it's really interesting that, like, future the future of business looks very different now that the future is almost here. Yes. But where do you see small business entrepreneurship going in the future? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I'll give you a personal example related to this. So, you know, before business school, I went back to India to run our agriculture startup. And when I was doing that, I realized that there are certain gaps in my experience, in my knowledge base that I need to fill. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest gaps was an understanding of technology as to how can you use technology to enable your business. You don't necessarily have to be a blockchain expert. <laughs> as every, That's the buzzword, right? But how do you use technology to leverage your business and take it to the next level? And that's why I came to Carnegie Mellon. I can tell it's a strong technology network. So if you ask me for 2062, <laughs> which is like, I mean, the day the world changes every day, right? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I my, my foresight is that every business at all levels will incorporate some level of technology and will have to incorporate some level of technology to enhance the business. Otherwise they're going to be, they're going to be wiped out. Like you have like what happened to your travel agents mm-hmm. that used to book your airline tickets, right? Yeah. Just 10 years ago or like eight years ago, that's been replaced by Expedia and your kayaks in the same way, small business owners who do not adopt mm-hmm. the methodologies in focus on technology and focus on understanding that, it's going to be a very, very different landscape. Yeah. I mean, and you see the disparity today. Right. You see what happened mm-hmm. when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was 
testifying in front of Congress. <laughs> right. And the difference between Silicon Valley and Washington DC was unbelievable. Crazy. Like senators were asking them, how would how does Facebook make money? <laughs> Can't believe that. And they were like he was testifying in front of them. Yeah. Right. And I think that in 2062 that disparity. Yeah. I always say that it's going to be the disparity of the technology haves and have nots. Uh-huh. For sure. And not only technology have and have nots but the exposure haves and have nots. Because mm. you are I mean you see the world around you today like it is largely divided yeah yeah and the haves and have nots the difference comes in the exposure right there are certain section of society who are completely cut off from the other section that is just moving at exponential speed yeah and wh- who, what services what businesses today are going to bridge that gap yeah that's going to be like a very interesting thing to watch yeah i would take it, even take it a step further from technology and it's just the the flexibility and willingness to adapt to right. to things around you. I mean, for you know, for the last fifty years, a lot of small business owners, maybe not travel agents, right? But a lot of them could say, "Well, this is how we've done it, yep. and we're doing fine." And you know, Amazon, like by the time they get us, like we'll be, I'll be dead. So who right. cares? Right. But technology is enabling uh, larger companies, yep. uh, tech companies especially, who are disruptors, to move so quickly. That if you're a small business and yep. you're not watching your back, you're in the kill zone yep. before you even know Yikes. it. Yeah, that's a yep. business. That's a technical know, term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, yeah, true. yeah. Yeah, and so like I mean, even just and I think technology is going to play a big role in that. But just being willing to even explore a new business model yep. or explore, you know, moving locations yep. and faster than you yep. ever did before, that will be really big. Too. Yeah. And I think the mindset, like until today, like you know, I was talking about business in India that's focused on sustainable profitability. Yeah. You see the businesses of today, like I mean, you have your Wayfarers and Amazon who just made a profit after ten, fifteen years of. Mm-hmm. So, traction is going to be way more important than track record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I, what I like, think about it, like the faster you grow, the faster you capture users, the faster you capture attention. Right. That's gonna. That's a new currency, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. capturing attention and data. Like yeah. the faster yeah. you capture that, the faster you move. That's gonna govern your success or failure. I like that a lot, and I I don't think there's a reason, given where we are, uh, as a society from a technology standpoint, that right. small business owners can't find ways to compete on that. Yeah. I think it's daunting. Don't get me wrong. Like if you go to down the street and ask the baker to say like, do you how is data you know, improving your business, they're right. going to say, what's data? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, but like, they, they can do it. And, right. and there are companies out there trying to. I think Kali will be there to try and help them understand, you know, exactly. these kinds of things in the future. And and so we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, and, and that brings me back to the previous point I made, is like, what businesses and services are going to bridge that gap? Yeah. And what I really see Kali doing, and that's why I really like the idea, is bridging that gap and and leveling a playing field that, yeah. which I think is going to be a pretty big disparity, <laughs> yeah. or already is, yeah. in this yeah. day and age. I mean, you don't need a 50-year-old business owner to know everything about technology. Mm-hmm. But you need, if you can provide that mentorship and guidance to for him to think him or her to think about it yeah. in a different way. Right. Yeah. For him or her to think about data in a different way. Or just organize the business in a different way so as to compete with the businesses of tomorrow. That I think is gonna. I think it's almost a systemic need. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> we think that too. So <laughs> that's the good news. We're uh, all in agreement. Right. <laughs> um, so I'd like to ask you a more philosophical question. Sure. 
And this is around that entrepreneurial mindset that we talked about. Yep. Do you think that you have to be an optimist to be a successful business owner? I, I think that's a, that, that, that's a really good question. I mean, <laughs> I, I think every successful business owner, not only do you have to be an optimist, you have to be resilient. And I think you have to be a certain level of delusional <laughs> yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. like, you know, yeah. if you, no matter who you are, mm -hmm. I think anyone can be an entrepreneur. Like that is my fundamental understanding. But every, everyone has different needs and different resources that they need to get there. Mm -hmm. I think it's not about one person. I think the biggest change in thinking about business, it's not about, it's not a one person business. Yeah. It's a team. Mm -hmm. So even if you have a mega optimist on your team, you need to have a mega pragmatic person. <laughs> you need to have a pragmatic person on the other end to right. balance the team. How do you fill the gaps? Yeah. How do you fill the gaps in your business or even your team? Yeah. To, so as to complement each other. Yeah. Like traditionally small businesses were thought like, okay, I'm a proprietor. I'm going to start my own shop. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing everything. I'm going to employ the people to tell them what to do. But yeah. today, entrepreneurship is about teams. Yeah. If you're not, your founding team is not complementary. If your founding team doesn't fill each other's strengths and weaknesses, right. then you're not going to be able to survive and scale, in my opinion. Yeah. So absolutely, you need that one person who is optimistic. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, like it sucks, right? I mean, there's yeah. going to be failures. There's going to be shitty days. Yeah. Your, your nose nine times out of ten. Yeah. So you need that one person to push it. But right. you also need the pragmatic person on the other end who, like, you know, manages the reality at the end of the day. Right, right. I think it's the bigger question that I think I always keep asking or wanting to, like, figure out is, like, can you learn optimism? And I think I have learned optimism through being exposed right. to entrepreneurship and, like, over the course of knowing each other for almost a decade, like right. Jamie's seen me become more optimistic, probably mostly from exposure. Right. But yeah, I think like being in that environment and being around entrepreneurship, there's like a contagious part of it. And I think the optimism is definitely a part of that, that you're surrounded by people who are just so relentlessly positive and like forward looking that it's hard, even if you're like, yeah, these people are insane to not be right. like, but what if I'm a little insane too? Like, what if I right. catch that disease? Like, it's exciting. Yeah. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? It comes down to exposure. Mm. And another thing, a really good thing I heard is that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with most, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. So how, as a business owner, or even as a regular individual, who are you surrounding yourself with? Right. So as to shape your daily outlook, your mindset and your exposure. Mm -hmm. Are you surrounding yourself with negative people? I mean, there's plenty of those. <laughs> and I mean, you have to make that choice. Like, do you want them in your life or you don't want them right. in your life, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And the second thing comes down to mentorship. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I'm going to bring this back to Kali because at the end of the day, even if shit is going, hitting the fan and everything's plummeting, if you have someone that you can call yeah. and say that, and someone who's been there before and that person on the other end can say, hey, I've been through this this is how you, this is what you need to do. Right. As opposed to you're going at it by yourself in a vacuum and then you're taking the risks, you're failing, but you have no one to learn from. You mm -hmm. have no one to share thoughts with. You have no one that you've surrounded yourself with who can support you in those structures. Like that's the key to success in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it a lot harder. If, if you're trying right. to do it on your own, I mean, you're trying to be the superhero right. in your business, that, that definitely makes it harder. And I've seen that real time. So my mm -hmm. uh, grandfather, passed away when my dad was 17. Uh -huh. So, and my dad had to step into his shoes at 17. 
and you can imagine how it is because right. like, what do you know at 17? I mean, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right. nothing. <laughs> I, could, I didn't even know what taxes were like, when I was 17. Right. But then, you know, step in and, you know, run a business. Like, he faced, I think one of the biggest things me and my dad talk about is that he lacked those mentors at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who could have guided him, would have guided him along the way when he made the mistakes and reassured or, like, you know, made him pivot without wasting as much time on doing fruitless activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that optimism, it comes with the people you surround yourself with and yeah. who your mentors are. Yeah. yeah. Well said. To sort of start wrapping things up, we definitely right. want to give you an opportunity to talk about what you're doing now. Yep. Even to touch on a little bit of how your experience so far with entrepreneurship has brought you to where you are. Right. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned something about student loans earlier, <laughs> and I think that's a great segue into what we are doing today. <laughs> and uh, so this is one of the ideas I pitched when Jamie was in class as well. Yeah. And it was a little, little bit of a wacky idea, <laughs> but uh, here we are today. Yeah. So it's called the Talent IPO. Uh, essentially, what it's driven by is to solve the problem of stu- the student loan crisis in the United States, right. as well as across the world. Um, you know, the student loan balance is $1.7 trillion today, which is scary. So the As Talent IPO, we were thinking about a model to bring a private solution, get the private sector involved in a solution to combat a social problem. So Talent IPO is a mechanism by which investors invest in the educational expenses of current students in exchange for a percentage share of the future earnings for a set period of time. And the returns are capped. And what we really want to do is instead of students taking out loans and having to have that burden of interest on their heads and that and that interest and loan governing the career choices and hindering the prospects, how do we find a win-win way for investors as well as students so that we level a playing field and enable students as well? And I think the biggest difference in starting a business at Carnegie Mellon Tepper versus working with my family startup in India I, I mean, that's a massive difference right. in, in terms of just structure, in terms of resources, in terms of mentorship, in terms of guidance, right? I mean, Jamie, you know, when I pitched the idea in class, like it was just an idea. And just because of that class, I was able to form a team yeah. in one week because of the mentorship we were able to get from zero to one in the span of four weeks yeah. where we mm-hmm. had the business model ready. We had a pitch ready. We had thought about financials. We had thought about risks. Suddenly, we were had the platform to participate in the Swartz Center PDMA competition where we won some seed money. Mm. Suddenly, we had a network of legal and financial mentors yeah. and uh, our Swartz Center uh, alumni helping us. And now suddenly, we're in the McGinnis competition competing for $25,000 of money right. and entering round two. So the speed at which an idea, how it went from idea to execution has been amazing mm-hmm. and I, I, I would be no we would be nowhere as a team without the network and structure that we had and we find ourselves very fortunate for it yeah, yeah. so i think what you are doing with Kali, obviously in a different you know different way is to provide that structure yeah. is to provide the, that mentorship is to provide that guidelines that you know small business owners who want to enhance the business who want to even stay in business can use to sustain themselves. Yeah, I, I completely agree there because we're at school all day. Yep. And anytime we want to go, if we have a question about the businesses we're starting, we literally just walk down the hall, knock on a door, and we can talk to somebody with decades of right. entrepreneurship experience and ask them a question. Right. But 
you know, as you know, we're from like rural Alabama, right? right? Where I don't know is what kind of expertise am I going to find in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, right. whereas right. like versus a big city. Right. And giving people the ability to right. go and knock on the virtual door. Right. And just say, I have this question, like, what do I do? Right. That's really powerful. And currently yeah. we're very privileged to have that, but small business owners really don't. Right. And people who want to start something smaller, just because they're small doesn't mean they're not important. Right. And now we're trying to enable them to, to, to get there and, and right. have that support right off the bat. Right. And it's, and it's not only about them asking the question. Yeah. It's about even you asking them the questions mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in advance, saying that, are you thinking about this? Have you thought about this? Yeah. 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 As opposed to them, come, obviously, you know, them coming to you with questions, is, it's a great resource to have. But how do you have that guidance so that you're proactively yeah. making them think about right. things and, you know, saving the heartburn for that happens yeah. otherwise? Yeah. And we, we're lucky to have people who are forcing us to be proactive. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, like, there's no need to fight fires, to no. be fighting fires for the first five years of your business. Like, right. you'll, you'll fight fires. That's, like, natural. But you can mitigate a lot of that stuff. Right. Well, there's a whole infrastructure in most places in the world that fight, fighting fires is not a one-man job, right? right? Like, we call someone, we ask for help, we have taxes paying for that, right? Like, why is it? And I, and I guess the SBDC and other government resources are sort of that thing. Yeah. But a firefighter can come 24 hours a day. The SBDC can only come from 9 to 5, you know? So right. we have to look at how the world is changing and how we're adapting. Right our sort of mentorship and community models to accommodate right. a whole new world of business. Right. And I mean, I know going back to our conversation about how technology is changing business. Now you can empower a small business owner in Birmingham, Alabama mm-hmm. connected to the internet to get that mentorship that someone who may be physically at Carnegie Mellon or Harvard yeah. is getting because of, because I mean, they were fortunate enough to have that opportunity. Maybe the other people weren't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you leveling that field, which I think is extremely powerful. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, creating the need for them as well. A lot of the small business owners don't even know what they need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. I mean, if you tell them about this, they'll be like, yes, I really, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But they're not going to think about it proactively. Right. Yeah. So it's about bridging th- that gap as well, mm-hmm. creating the need as well as providing that assistance and mentorship. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. That's awesome. Well, perfect. Well, we'll, we'll Ashley, thank you so much for coming on Thanks today. For having me. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Um, we'll put anything, any information you have about Talent IPO or anything you're working on, Absolutely. we'll put in the show notes for our listeners. Great. We have an infinite number of episodes ahead of us, so hopefully we'll have you back. <laughs> we'll have you back on yeah. and hear a success story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>